Praise God. How many believe that? <laughs> All right, golf applause. Have you ever noticed that, you know, you go to a football game, everybody's shouting, screaming. You go to a golf tournament, when they clap, they always kind of clap. It's like you don't want to upset the golfers because they're, they're the beautiful people. And so you don't want to upset the beautiful people, so you clap real. I guess that's it. I don't know. But it's good to be with you today. Wow. Hallelujah. And uh, I, um, I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. I, uh, you know, I preach for, this is my, uh, I'm coming on, uh, I started full-time when I was in, in 1977, so you can figure out how many years I've been preaching. But, so I've preached pretty much a lot on Christmas. You know, I usually, when I hit December, I, I take um, December and do Christmas sermons. And, um, you know, this year I thought, well, you know, the, the characters haven't changed since last Christmas. And 20, de- you know, 20 years ago, the characters were still the same. And after a while, you know, you can, I don't think you can ever run out of things to say, but, you know, you're kind of repeating yourself and people want to hear something new. So I was always kind of thinking I need to talk, talk about something new. And, um, and I, um, I was thinking about how Christmas was a, is a prophetic time. Um, the fulfillment of prophecy. In fact, the, some of the most spectacular prophecies in the Bible were being fulfilled at Christmas time. Because, um, you know, actually, if you read Daniel's prophecy in Daniel, I think it's seven or Daniel 7 or Daniel 9, um, where he talks about Daniel 70 weeks. How many of you ever heard that, Daniel 70 weeks? Oh, I should talk about that sometime. But anyway, so it's not weeks of days, but weeks of years. And so Daniel actually predicts, he says, after this many weeks of years, Messiah will come and he'll be cut off. And, and he talks about it. And so um, a lot of people believe that the wise men that came from the east, they were disciples of Daniel because they came from the same country that Daniel came from. And Daniel had left such an impression on, on the wise men or the, the, that nation that they just carried on from generation to generation. And they knew about Daniel's prophecies. And so they were watching and looking forward to it. And they knew the time had come for Messiah to come. And they were astrologers. And so they looked and they saw a star. And they go, this is it. This is what Daniel talked about, he was, that he was going to come. And so they came. You know, they, they traveled a thousand miles. And we always say there was three wise men, but actually they, we say that because of the three gifts, gold, uh, Frankincense and myrrh, which was very valuable. But they came, and when they came to Jerusalem, um, it, says the whole, it says that Herod and the whole city was troubled at their coming. So in other words, it had such an effect upon them because they, they said, we've, come to, we've seen his star, we've come to worship him. And, and they were like, what? But the thing that always hits me, it's so incredibly strange, is that Herod called all the wise, or called all the, the high priests and the, the, the uh, leaders of the, the people that know uh, in the Jewish religion and, and asked, you know, where, where is he that's to be born king of the Jews? Where is he to be born? And they knew, Bethlehem. Do you know how far Jerusalem is from Bethlehem? It's less than five miles. Now, wouldn't you think that these guys came from the east and they said, we've seen his star, We've come a thousand miles, and it's not like they fly. They're, they're, they're on, like, camels or, or um, horses. I mean, it's a, it's a tough ride. I mean, it's a, it's a tough journey. And they came all that way, and the whole, the whole city of Jerusalem's moved. And, and they, I, would, I mean, to me, it seems like, come on, folks. Walk the stinking five mile or less. And check it out. They said, you check it out. And this is what Herod said. The other guys didn't even care. And this is the Messiah they've been waiting for. They knew of all Daniel's prophecies. They've been waiting for him. It was a time of prophetic fulfillment. They've been waiting for him. And they wouldn't even walk, I think it was 4.8 miles, to check it out. I just think that's amazing. I mean, come on, people. And, um, and then Herod goes, well, you go check it out and then let me know because... His thing is, I'm going to kill him. So he actually believed it could very possibly be him also. So it's interesting to me, first of all, 
how lethargic people are about such intensely earth-shattering things and how, I mean, I mean, you think about like, hey, how, how do everybody like the Vikings won on Thursday? How many are excited about that? I mean, I look at those stadiums full of, full of people and they're just like, I mean, they're going absolutely berserk over a guy who carries a bag of air under his, under his arm and runs through a touchdown. We're just like, we're just going berserk. And the king of all creation, God, who became a man, is being born 4.8 miles from where you live. Get your beep over there and check it out. You know, don't you feel that way? But it's amazing how lethargic people can be about spiritual things. How many know that's true? And I, I want you to think about this. I know, and this is not like a... Not you guys, because you guys all came here to check it out, <laughs> right? But I'm just saying that, it, isn't that strike? That to me is just like, I just shake my head. I just can't get over that, how lethargic people can be. The other thing about fulfillment of prophecy is like, you think that, I, mean, I love Christmas carols. Joy to the world. I love them. I don't care what you think. I love them. God rest ye merry gentlemen. Let think you despair. Remember Christ our Savior. Born on. Okay. So, I mean, I like that. I really like Christmas carols. And, um, but one thing I don't like about them, it, 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 this, they're, they, they kind of paint the picture that everything is just wonderful. You know, silent night. Holy night. But then when you read and you really focus on what's happening in the story, you go, this is a crazy time. It's tumultuous beyond words. And I mean, not only is it tumultuous, I mean, it's, it's absolutely berserk. I mean, it's, it's nutty, a nutty time. I mean, after Christ was born and Herod found out, you know, the wise men went, away, went back home another way. Herod realized they weren't coming to tell him where, where Christ was. And so he went and killed all the children two years old and under in that whole region. Can you imagine that? I mean, this is a crazy time. And the only reason Christ wasn't born, wasn't killed was because um, Joseph had a dream one night. And in the dream, God said, get the child out of here. Herod's going to try to... You know, Joseph had four dreams. And the first dream was telling him that, you know, Mary didn't do the dirty with somebody else. That actually the, her story is true. You don't get because you think about that. I mean, come on. Mary comes and said, well, I'm pregnant. And he goes, well, it isn't me. No, it's the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, you're, come on. You know, you're, you're going, sure. <laughs> yeah, right. So he, you know, he didn't buy it. It says he was going to put her away pr privately. He didn't buy it. And then God appeared to him in a dream or somehow appeared to him in a dream and told him, no, she, she's telling you the truth. And so he goes along with it because of that. But don't you think, I mean, how, how many of you ever had a dream that they thought was spiritual and affected your life for a while, but after a while you're kind of like, you know, you don't know, you know. So you wonder about Joseph, was he going, Really? You know, you wonder about that. I mean, there's, and so it's like when we sing these Christmas carols, it's like everything's sweet, holy, night, all is calm, all is bright. And the truth is, it ain't all calm and it ain't all bright. I mean, there's all this, these currents going on and people are dying and people are fleeing and all this stuff because when it comes to the fulfillment of prophecy, it gets messy because there's actually a, a demonic kingdom that is trying to keep the kingdom of God from advancing in the earth. And that's why I think sometimes even in our day, you know, there's, there's a lot of, I mean, how many know this is true? It's, it's confusing. I could go through a, and there's a lot of stuff happening in our day. And it's, it can be very confusing. And one of the things I pray for <coughs> more than anything is I pray for clarity. God, give me clarity. 
Let me see the true nature of what's happening. What does this mean? Because if I just go by my own instinct, if I just go by my own human reasoning, what will happen is I will miss what God is doing and saying. Because you can't, just because things are going crazy, it doesn't mean God's not doing something awesome. It doesn't mean that we're not living under a prophetic mandate from God that there are prophecies that are that God has spoken over our generation. And then God is wanting to bring those to pass in the earth today. And we're a part of it. And so it doesn't mean that. I mean, sometimes that's why I, I bristle a little bit when people talk about, well, you know, the blessing of God is this and that. But I mean. You know, Mary, when, when the angel came to Mary and said, hey, you're highly favored. I mean, what, what would you think? I mean, actually, the Bible says that about you and me, that we're highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. I mean, you'd think his, her whole life would just be like, she'd be, I mean, people would be carrying her around in a big, you know, easy chair. And, you know, just like, hey. But if you read her life, it wasn't like that. In fact, one of the prophetic words that she got is that a sword will go through your own soul that the hearts of many, the, the thoughts of many people may be manifested. It was, but she was engaged in what God was doing in the earth today, in that, at that time. She was engaged in it. And she had to be saved. I know some people try to make her that she doesn't need, didn't need to be saved. She needed to get saved. She got filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. But one of the reasons she did that was she kept pondering all the things that were happening, she kept pondering them in her heart. She kept guarding her heart so that she didn't get drawn away because of all these things that were taking place. How many can see what I'm saying? And so it's the same thing true with us. Now, I kind of blew my sermon up right now, but can we get back on track here? But I just want you to know that, that just because there's craziness in the world, it doesn't mean that something awesome isn't happening. You say, well, what, this, we, everything's out of control. We could be right on track. And I want you to be engaged. You know, there's a verse here I want you to look at in, in Matthew chapter 4. It's talking about the ministry of Jesus. It says the people, and this is talking about the Galilee region where Jesus ministered, started his ministry where he lived. He started his ministry. It says the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region, in the shadow of death, light has dawned. I want you to think about that. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region, in the shadow of death, light has dawned. You know, I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a place where you were like in total darkness? I don't mean spiritually or uh, in your soul or whatever. But I mean, physically, have you ever been? I just had this happen to me the other day where I don't know what I was doing, but I, um, I, I went and stopped at uh, our lake home. And it was one of those nights, it was totally dark. I mean, just pitch black. And so our car, when you shut it off, the lights stay on for a while. For some reason, I think I must have shut it off and I was probably talking on the phone or something. And so when I got out, I got, took two steps, bam, the lights go out. And I thought to myself, I'm, in to I'm engulfed in total darkness right now. I mean, it's darker than a thousand midnights in a cypress swamp. And that's how dark it was. And so the minute you, you're engulfed in darkness, what happens is you stop moving. Because you, don't, you can't see the way forward. So you stop moving and you let your eyes adjust. And I actually had to go over to the car. I mean, I felt my way to the car. And I kind of used the car to, I mean, it was that black, it was that dark. I got pretty good eyesight. It was that dark out. But what happens is, you know, the Bible says here they sat, the people that sat in darkness. And that's what happens in darkness is people sit, they become inactive. They don't move because they can't see the way forward. And there's no definition, there's no clarity. Definition and clarity is a powerful thing. It's a wonderful thing. To, to understand what God created you to do, to see it clearly is a wonderful thing, to have clarity. And the Bible says here that people, because that's what people do when they don't have clarity. You know what happens is they don't, like, they, they, they become inactive. They don't witness to people. They don't 
give money. They don't tithe. They don't go to church. They don't pray. They don't read their Bible. Why? Because their, their soul, in a sense, is, become in, is in darkness. There's something in their soul. They've allowed something to come into their soul that's caused darkness. Maybe it could be unforgiveness. It could be some kind of offense. It could be some other thing that's drawn them away or distracted them. But in some way, their soul is in darkness. And when your soul is in darkness, what happens is you become spiritually inactive. And sometimes, you know, I, I, I fight against that sometimes, like even in worship services. Sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like worship. My mind is preoccupied with what's, you know, trouble or difficulty or some issues in my life or in my family's life or in the world as a whole or, you know, something, you know, you're, and you're sitting there, you're thinking on that, you're gnawing on that, and it's kind of gnawing on you and it's allowing darkness in your soul. And so what happens is you start becoming inactive. And so I go, no, I'm not doing this. So I, I force myself to raise my hands sometimes. And sometimes it's easy to raise your hands. Sometimes it's easy to worship. Sometimes I have to force myself to. It's just like Paul said, <coughs> I will that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. Sometimes he, it's a kind of a command. Men pray everywhere. Prayer is not just petitioning God for things, but it's also worship. I will that men worship everywhere. And the word there, men, is the Greek word, not mankind. Usually it's mankind. It's everybody. But there it's men. Men, you get your hands up and start worshiping because women seem to jump in easier than men do. I don't know why that is, but women are like one step away from worship and men are like 10 steps away. I don't know why that is. Maybe we're thinking about lifting heavy objects and spitting or something. I don't know. We're in church wondering if somebody's keying our car out there. You know, did I, did I lock that car? Or whatever. I don't know what it is, but, but sometimes you have to push yourself to get into the presence and not allow yourself to sit in darkness. Not to allow yourself to sit in darkness. Because what happens is when people sit in darkness, they start wallowing in it. And God wants us to step out of that darkness and step out of that hopelessness. You know, some people are just bound and, and there's a lot of fear in our culture today and a lot of hopelessness because they can't see the way forward. They can't see how this could turn out for good. How can this become a productive situation? Because like even with this COVID thing, it goes on. I mean, we, they, do you remember when it first started? Two weeks. Meanwhile, almost two years later, we're still here. And so that drags on and people get into a state of hopelessness. Can this, can this possibly end? Yes, it can. And we can move forward. But our eyes have got to shift. But, but you can focus on those kind of things constantly. What aggravates you about church? That Pastor Steve is up there screaming at me. I, I hurt my feelings. I'm a little snowflake and I can't take that, you know. Right? I mean, it can be, and we can allow darkness to enter our soul. And the thing that we're hindering is we're hindering ourselves. Because what happens is we become inactive. And I always say this to people. God needs you. And we need you. We need you to be active. We need you to witness to people. We need you to be engaged spiritually and praying. And we need you to be uh, unoffendable where you will, where you will take, the, take the fight to the enemy. I didn't mean this sermon to go this direction. but Coming like, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, it's kind of funny. When I was in high school, I, I, I don't know why you're, when you're growing up, you remember certain things. And I remember we used to have a cheer. We were... We didn't have a very good football team. And so our cheer was tomato, <laughs> tomato, or something like that. Come on, Bulldogs, catch up. Or come on, Colts, catch up. I don't know. There might have been more to it, but I just remember that phrase. Come on. <coughs> so that's what I'm doing this morning. Come on, Destiny Church, catch up. But I want you to see that point there is that dark, when, when dark, and I'm talking even about Christians, someone goes, well, Christians have, have the Lord living in them. That's true. They have the Holy Spirit. That's true. And he is the light. That's true. 
But you know as well as I do that your soul can be filled with darkness because you have unforgiveness, you have bad thinking, bad feelings, you're offended by something, and your soul can be filled with darkness even though you're a Christian, you're a child of God. And you can always tell if my soul is in darkness. When I look at it, here's a person that's active spiritually, they're active in worship, they're active going to church, and all of a sudden they become inactive. They don't go to church, maybe once in a while show up, but they're kind of indifferent, lethargic, kind of like, eh, whatever. Darkness. Because when darkness comes, people start to sit. How many can see what I'm saying? Darkness comes in a lot of different ways. But God wants, a, wants there to be a simplicity in our lives where we're fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ, where we're wholly devoted. We're single-minded. There's one thing this one thing I seek after, that will I follow after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And so it's so important how we respond in difficult times. How many know that's true? You know, it's like this. Here's a story. I didn't put this on the, there, but maybe they can put it on, I don't know. But, um, you know, it's like, the, like uh, after Jesus fed the 5,000, it says he told his disciples to get into the boat, 12 of them, and go to the other side. He said, I'll meet you in Bethsaida or something, somewhere. Starts with a B. And he goes, so, he, so they get in the boat and they start rowing. And then they encounter a headwind. Now, now, now they started before it got dark. And they start and they, they encounter a headwind. They're doing what, God, what Jesus told them to do. They're rowing the boat across the lake. And then Jesus, it says that he sent the multitude away and he went up into a mountain to pray. Now, don't you think that if you're doing what Jesus wants you to do, everything is just going to be easy? Right? We're just going to, because we're blessed. Well, we are blessed. But we just think everything's going to be easy. But, but here's what gets me. This, this part of the, this passage really gets me. It says, then he saw them straining at the rows, rowing, for the wind was against them. This is, this is Mark chapter 6, verse 45 to 50. They were straining at the rows, at the rowing, because the wind was against them, even though they're doing what he told them to do. Then it says this, now about the fourth watch of the night. So I had to look that up. What's the fourth watch of the night? The fourth watch of the night is between 3 and 6 a.m. So they've been at this for hours. The Sea of Galilee is only like, is like 15 miles long, or at the longest point's like 15 miles or 20, or something, something like that. So it's not like a long ways. They've been rowing for hours, and they're still out in the middle of the lake. And he's watching them, and he's praying. You want to say, Jesus! Get your, you know, don't, don't you want to stop that praying business and get over here. We need some help down here. I mean, don't, don't, you, don't you want it? I mean, he's over there, low. You know, it's like, come on, we are rowing. Twelve of us are rowing, and we've been rowing for hours, and we're not making any progress. Do you ever feel that way? And we're doing what you told us to do. We're going to use a little help here. And finally, he comes to them walking on the water. But after he, he comes to between 3 and 6 a.m., he came to them. They were sitting in darkness. They were sitting in darkness. They were doing what he told them to do, but they were not making any progress. And Jesus came to them and ba kind of bailed them out. That's what I'm, trying to, what I'm trying to say is that sometimes if there's a delay. You know, last week I used that verse where all things work together for good. It didn't say all things are good, because all things aren't good. In fact, a lot of things are bad. They're terrible. They're horrible. But the promise is that God, and I don't think that's a, it's not a passive promise. It's not a promise where I'll just be sitting here twiddling my thumbs. And I'm just going, then all this stuff is happening where I'm going, all things working together for good. Because you read the context, he's talking about praying. 
He's talking about those that love God and are called according to his purpose. He says, pray over your life. Pray over situations. James says that too. When you go through difficulty, pray. Be active and pray. Don't give up on praying. Pray over this situation. And God will cause this to work out for good. This will turn out for good. I mean, in this, this situation, they're rowing. Guess what happened? Jesus showed up. He said, it's I. Don't be afraid. He always says that. Don't be afraid. Doesn't that irritate you? I know, don't be afraid, you know. <laughs> you hear that one more time. <laughs> now I'm going, I've had it. I'm going to be afraid now. You know, you know what I mean? That's how you feel sometimes. No, you guys don't feel that way because you're way more spiritual than I am. I don't know what I'm doing up here talking to you. but anyway. So we have to believe that God is speaking and that God is working. And that when we sing these Christmas carols that I love, and it says, silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. It's not. <laughs> all ain't calm and all ain't bright. I mean, there's something is happening powerfully, but there's a lot of currents that are going on, too. In fact, I would say that if there's no currents in your life, you're probably not on track. Oh. Currents are probably a sign that you are on track. And that's why you have to learn to focus, keep your mind on what Jesus said. I wanna, when I was thinking about this message, my time's already up. Can you guys take a little bit more? I was going to get to my main body of my sermon now. That was all an intro. That was me just, that was me just kind of venting. I'm, that was my, that's my, the venting part. And another thing, and another thing. You know, that's, just, that's what that was. But I want to show you something in an Old Testament passage that doesn't relate to the birth of Christ, but it has something to do with, speaks to us in our time. And, uh, and so I want you to look at this passage. I want you to turn to 2 Kings chapter 6. Some of you have heard this story. But it, and, and so in, in a sense, we're living in, in confusing times. There are many voices there's so much conflict, I mean, in our, in our nation. And we don't need to add to the conflict. I'm not saying that we should be silent. We should not be silent. But, you know, you can speak up. You can speak up one of two ways. You can speak up in a hateful way or you can speak up in a, I want to join the conversation because I have something to say and what I got to say is important. Right? You don't need to be hateful. Right? Because what we look for is we look for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. So, so, so here's a story. And, um, <clears throat> and what happened here was, uh, you know, Israel was broken up into two nations. Judah was the southern kingdom. Israel was the northern kingdom. Judah, capital was Jerusalem. Israel's capital, the ten, northern ten tribes, their capital was Samaria. And so Samaria, this king um, from a neighboring country, came and besieged Samaria. If you look at verse, one, uh, verse uh, 24 there, you'll see that. And the siege was so bad, it created a famine in Samaria. And they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver. That's a lot of money. That's like thousands of dollars. Because when you look it up how much it is, everybody has their own opinion, but it, it comes down to it, a donkey's head. I mean, what are, you having to, for, what are you having for lunch today? We're having a donkey's head. Would you like to come over? No, I don't think so. <laughs> I paid thousands of dollars for this donkey head. I mean, this is... And then the other thing that hit me was a dove... A, a, cab of doves droppings a cab of doves droppings that's poop by the way was being sold for five shekels of silver that's a lot of money so how many can see that and then if you keep on reading there it's like these two mothers they come get together and they say you know you I assume their children died, and they said, we'll eat your child today. 
and will eat my child tomorrow. You're like, <laughs> what? You know, what kind of a culture are we living? You know, that's what always hit me about suicide bombers. You know, who would, who would put dynamite on themselves, go into a crowded thing and blow themselves up? I mean, what kind of a culture are you living in that you think this is normal? But, but they're so desperate, they're in such a desperate situation that they decide, you know, I oh, will eat your kid today and we'll eat my kid tomorrow. It's like, what? But this is a really desperate situation. And so then they come to Elisha, and, they, and Elisha actually gives them a, this incredible prophecy. Look at 2 Kings chapter 1, or chapter 7, 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1, it says, And Elisha said, Hear the word of the Lord, thus says the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, you've got to realize, here, this is this horrible situation. I mean, they're selling a donkey's head for you know, thousands of dollars, and they're eating each other's kids. And all of a sudden he goes, thus saith the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a sea of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, one shekel, and two seahs of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. And one of the king's servants goes, if God opened the windows of heaven, there's no possible way that that could happen. I mean, we're eating each other's kids here. That, there's no possible way. We're spending hundreds of th or thousands of dollars on a donkey. He said, there's no possible way that that's going to happen. But how many know the prophet has released the word, and so the word of the Lord is hanging over this situation? There's a word over this situation. Now, everybody, you, you, you'd say, well, everybody that's living in that city is in darkness, if you ask me. I mean, they're living in darkness. And they don't know what to do. And so they're inactive. They're just sitting there. But look at down here. Look at, keep reading there in 2 Kings. Look at verses 3 and 4. Now, there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. They said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? You know, this is a great point to come to in your life. Why are we sitting here? No, I'm glad you're sitting here right now, but I mean, you, you know what I mean. Why are we just sitting here this, in this situation? Why are we just sitting here until we die? If we say we will enter the city, the famine is in the city. And we shall what? Die there. And if we... If we Sit here, we die also. Now, therefore, let us surrender to the army of the Syrians. If they keep us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall die. Now, I don't think they knew about the word of the Lord. And, and this, you know, like, like every time I see a victorious story in the Bible, I like the ones where, it's, where David goes out there and says, I'm taking your head off. You're coming down. You're, and, and people are like, we're going to do this. And we're, you know, hey, you know, you know like they're, they're like bold and courageous. But these four guys aren't. Are they? They're kind of like, well, if we go into the city, we're dead. We're dead meat. We sit here, we're dead meat. It's kind of like they're, they're calculating. It's not like, and the Lord spoke to the first leper and said, thou shalt rise and thou shalt go. It was none of that. It was just kind of like, what do you think we should do? I don't know. If we sit here, we're going to die. What do you think we should do? Well, if we go into the city, we're going to die. I mean, there's no hope in the city and there's no hope just sitting here. So what do, we, what do you think we should do? Well, one of them finally said, I think we should just go. I mean, if they kill us, we're, we're going to be dead anyways. Let's just go. Let's just go and surrender. You know, surrender is a good word in the Christian life. How many know that's true? Surrender is a good word. But notice as you read on there, it says, I wanted you to see this. It says, and they rose up at, notice what the word is. Everybody say it. Twilight. They rose up at twilight. Twilight is darkness. It's before it gets, I looked up, because I didn't know if twilight was before daybreak or it was at, before nighttime. But you know what they say? It could be either. 
but I'm going to use, it was before daylight. So they're still in the dark. They're still in darkness. When they come up with this scheme, let us go to the camp. And it says, as they rose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians, and when they had come to the outskirts of the camp of the Syrians, to their surprise, no one was there. Really? For the Lord, that Lord, ain't he something? You know, it doesn't, it's just, it sounds just like Jesus, doesn't it? It sounds just like the Lord, doesn't it? For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses, the noise of a great army. So they said to one another, look, the king, the king of Israel has hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to attack us. Therefore they rose and fled at what? Twilight. Twilight at dark, in the darkness they fled and left the camp intact, their tents and their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. If you keep reading, not only did they leave, they left everything. They left food cooking, they left everything. And then they said, when you follow the, 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 co the course of the army as it was fleeing, their stuff, they're throwing stuff as they're running. They're throwing stuff. This is weighing me down. I got to throw this, they're throwing this. So you get the picture when they finally got far enough away, all it was, they were kind of in their skivvies running for their dear life. <laughs> this is an incredible miracle. This is an incredible turnaround. But it all started with, I don't know, what do you think we should do? It did, you know, sometimes we're waiting for this great, and, the Lord, and I believe in it. I believe in the Lord saith unto thee. But sometimes we just need to go, we can't sit here any longer. We can't go back. What do you think we should do? I don't know. Let's just do something. Let's just move forward. Let's just do something. Even though I can't see clearly, I don't know what is ahead. I can't, I don't have clear direction. It's still darkness. It's still night. But let's do something. Let's just move forward. Let's take some kind of a step. And when they took that kind of a step, God, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, I always think this is true, that when we get to heaven, we get to have like replays. I want to see this. I want to see them in the camp going, do you hear that? <laughs> There's a little saying that goes, uh, things that go bump in the night or something. What was that? Right? What was that? Well, that's a chariot. A chariot? <laughs> it's four lepers. <laughs> We're just going to go surrender. You know, they're, they're just chugging along. We're just going to go surrender. What was that? Uh, that sounds like horses to me. It sounds like an army's advance. Sounds like an army's attacking. Oh no, it's the Egyptians and the Hittites. They hired them. They're, they're coming after us. Let's get the blank out of here. And they, they start throwing everything. Should I take my horse? You ain't got time. We got to get out of here. Throw your sword. Throw your spear. Throw your shield. Let's get out of here. And it all started with four lepers. I don't know, what do you think? I don't know. Isn't that wild? Let's just do something. Let's just do something. It seems so unspiritual. Yeah. <laughs> It doesn't say, it doesn't even say they mention a Bible verse. I mean, you got to look at the, the, there's a prophecy hanging over that situation. Elisha said, by this time tomorrow, in one day, you're going to be selling flour and stuff at a reasonable price. In one day. But they don't know about that. They're outside the city. They're lepers. They're just sitting there going, I don't know, what do you think? It isn't like, well, you know, the Lord, he fought for it. He didn't say any of that. They just said, it's like, we're going to die, we're going to die, and we might die. But <laughs> the only one of the three that is a might is, let's go forward. And the Lord goes, I like that. Finally, somebody is not sitting in darkness. 
Somebody is, even though there's darkness, they're moving in the darkness. They're moving in the twilight. They're moving and God is going and God is causing a bump in the night. A lot of bumps in the night. And they go, we got to get out of here. Isn't that powerful? All I'm saying to you is this. Is that our, just like the birth of Christ, as the worship team comes, just like the birth of Christ was a prophetic time, just like in this story in Samaria, it had a prophetic word hanging over it. And you might not even know all the prophetic words about our generation. You don't need to know. but And you might not have clarity. I, I pray for clarity. I pray, God, give me clarity. Let me see clearly. I pray for that. But, you know, sometimes we wait. And we're buying donkey's heads for thousands of dollars. And dove poop for a few, a few uh, shekels of silver. When we should be, let's move ahead. Amen? Amen? You can do something. You can do something. You could tell, you could call somebody up and just say, just encourage them. You could, everyone in this room could do something. We could tell somebody about Jesus. We could, we could pray some prayer for somebody else other than ourselves. We could, we could do something. We could move forward in some way. We could move forward and we can trust that God's going to multiply that little thing that we do and cause the enemy to hear an invading army. Because how many know there's more for us than be with them? How many know that's true? And sometimes I think God is just waiting. We're waiting for this burning bush, a cross to appear in the sky, lightning to strike our car, you know, some spectacular thing to happen. I'm, and I'm all for spectacular things. I've had spectacular things, but sometimes if you don't have a spectacular thing, hey, let's just do something. How many can see what I'm saying? And trust that God's going to multiply what we do. Let's all stand together. I don't know, that turned out okay, I guess. I think I was more excited than you were. I seem more uh, exuberant. But it's Christmas, I understand. You know, we're all is calm, all is. I've been humming that song all day, all is calm. I'm not going to let you get me riled up. All is, yeah. But I like Christmas carols. And I'm not saying you have to sing one right now, but. I, <laughs> but I want you to, let's just sing this song and as we sing it it was a pretty good message that's, I'm going to say that to myself it's a pretty good message I just, I want, as we sing this song I want you just to sing it I want you to close your eyes and just say God what do you want me to do and, and don't wait just if a thought pops into your head about something that you could do for somebody or for some good thing that you could do for somebody or talk to somebody or whatever. I want you just to respond to that. But let's just give it a moment here as we sing this song. Just open your spirit up. Say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? And be ready for him to speak to you. Let's sing this song. Go ahead. Though the armies rise up against us, so 
Praise God. Amen. How many believe that? Thank God. You know, I, <clears throat> I thought, I think I asked the Lord this. Why, why four lepers? It's like lepers are the lowest 
in society. They're the outcast, the dregs of society. And I just thought, this thought came to me. It's proof that God, no matter who you are, if you'll just begin to move in the dark, if you just begin to move, I mean, you don't have to have this great prophetic word. You don't have to have this great standing. You don't have to say, well, I'm holy beyond words. It doesn't matter who you are. If you just start moving. You don't see clearly? Yeah, but just start moving. Just start moving and trust God. He's going he's gonna to cause them. The enemy's going to start talking to himself. What was that? <laughs> the most famous words in the kingdom of darkness is, what was that? <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> That's what that was. Amen. That's good news, isn't it? Praise God. Well, we're going to let you be prayed for. So the prayer counselors, if you guys want to come on up. If you have a need, any kind of a need, uh, physical, spiritual, you want somebody to agree with you, this is a good opportunity for you to be prayed for. I'm going to dismiss we have some refreshments <clears throat> somewhere back there. I'm not sure where they all are, but it's kind of like a scavenger hunt. You've got to find them. <laughs> but um, anyways, so just join us for some good fellowship. You know what, guys? It's been great being in church with you guys today. And uh, I'm just believing God that you're going to have a great week where you're just going to move, move forward. Even if you're in the darkness, you're going to move forward. Amen? God bless you, everybody. You're free to go.